posted on dimlywit.com. My name is Dr. Daryl Appleton, and this is Feelings and Other F-Words. The F-Word of the day might surprise some of you, and that is because we are talking about functional frustration. That's right, my friends. We are talking about how anger isn't actually a bad thing. Now, like all things, there are limits to it, right? But we need to dissect this because we are taught that anger is bad, wrong, bad. And I have never seen pure rage. And I've worked in a lot of, I've worked in like literal psychiatric institutions. I've worked in like the bowels of mental health. I've worked in corporate America. I've worked in hedge funds. I have never, ever, ever seen rage so pure like that of a toddler. Now, for those of you who don't know, I have twin toddlers and they feed off of each other. But it's so amazing to me that kids emote this pure rage. And the thing with kids is you don't know how to fix it because you don't even know what they want. They don't know what they want. And this segment is not about parenting. I promise you it's not. But just to highlight how difficult it is to bring someone down from a rage or how irrational feelings can feel or how intense they can feel. Look at a toddler. Look at a parent trying to cope with a toddler. Find me somewhere in New England and you will see exactly what this looked like in in life. I, I promise it is a sight. It is a sight to see. Now, we're also taught not to feel angry. And I want to applaud parenting blogs and, you know, support systems around feelings for men, women, children alike, because we're getting better at it. But historically, we have normally been taught anger is bad. Anger is bad. It leads to bad things. Stay away from it. Lock it up. Lock it down. I mean, it's a deadly sin for Christ's sakes, right? Wrath. I saw seven. I know that you end up killing Kevin Spacey because he put your wife's head in a box. I get it. Anger, bad. But I think we really need to break down a few things about anger and frustration and these really big F words around the feelings that come with them. So what is anger really? How can we actually use it to our advantage, which is something I teach my execs all the time? And what are some key highlights into looking at when it's gone too far? And our write-in story is going to very much highlight this. We will talk about it after the break, but there is there's some stuff to unpack in this story. People are getting in fights with 10-year-olds. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a whole thing. You don't want to miss that one. But Let's start let's start with what emotions are because I think people don't understand them. Now, I'm a huge nerd. I love to read. Obviously, I like studies and all this stuff. So, I got this book when I was pregnant with the twins and I was like, "Oh, I will totally read this while I'm pregnant." And maybe even when after when the kid when I have the kids. I was also sidebar. I was also the jerk that brought a book to the hospital for after my C-section air quotes, true quotes, in case I had time to read. So that just shows me how disillusioned I was about becoming a parent and how not ready, um, but also how much I like to read. Now, this book, for those of you watching the video, you can see me holding it up. I bought this book. 
thinking, oh, I'll read this during my pregnancy. It's The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. And I'm a, a very big Robert Greene fan. I like him a lot. And this little ditty came in the mail and it is 609 pages. Fast forward, I'm still not done reading it, mostly because I'm a nightmare of a person to read a book. Because again, showing this to the people watching the video, I highlight, I write on things like I never get past two pages because I end up rereading it a million times over and over. Again, I'm sorry. This is just who I am. This is why I don't belong to a library because I would ruin your books. Now, okay, back to back on task. He wrote something in this book, The Laws of Human Nature, that I think beautifully breaks down what emotions are and what they are not. I think we don't actually understand their function. I think we just think they exist, right? Feelings just exist. And he says, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna quote him because I'm gonna work smarter and not harder, right? Why reinvent the wheel? He said it perfectly. He says in his book on the chapter Mastering Your Emotional Self, very well, very well said. Emotions originate as physical arousal designed to capture our attention and cause us to take notice of something around it. This is mind blowing. Like this should be taught in schools everywhere. What he is saying is that we feel things because it is bringing us to an awareness of something that we are feeling. It is directing us to a pain point or maybe a pleasure. It is causing us to pause and say, hmm, maybe I should look at this. It is no different than a physical feeling, right? If you feel something on your foot, you probably are going to glance down to make sure it's not a spider. Because in my mind, anything I feel on my foot is obviously a spider and it's going to be grinning at me and showing me its teeth. And it's just bad news. And I will aggressively brush it off like it is a spider, even if it's not. But it's there because evolutionary, right? Evolution teaches us if you don't look down on it, it might be a spider and you might get bit and you might die. Feelings are no different. Emotional feelings are no different. And I say this all the time to the surgeons I work with, like hard science and soft science are not that far apart. Truly, truly, truly. So when we start to look at feelings as things to pay attention to rather than things to suppress, the second half of your life begins, my friends. It really, truly does. So we know that anger, right, in this context, is causing us to pay attention to something or it's telling us to pay attention, telling us, wake up. Now, what is anger really? I'm going to blow your mind again. And I say this all the time. So if you've been in a lecture of mine or you've sat down in a chair across from me, I apologize for being redundant because I say it all the time, but it doesn't mean it's not true. We are not born angry. We are not. Anger is a secondary emotion and it stems from fear. I know, mind blown. Lots of memes out there like anger is just fear's bodyguard. It's not wrong. It's, it's actually very right. And what that means is that when we look into neuroscience and when we look into psychological studies about the brain and behavior, what we see is this fight or flight response in our amygdala, in our fear center, we see anger stemming from the fear center, meaning fight doesn't just mean punch somebody in the face when you're scared. Fight also means attack them with words or have this adrenaline rush to get yourself ready to attack. Now, attack, again, might be verbally. It might be emotionally. It might be physically, whatever. Don't attack anybody. But that's what it's gearing you up to do. It's getting you ready to defend yourself. 
but it stems from fear. Something startled me and I feel the need to defend myself. Now, I'm sure many of you out there are like, okay, Daryl, that sounds ridiculous. And this is a true story. I was sitting in one of my doctoral classes and I was explaining this to them because I say it all the time. And some, some, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but the occasion called for me to get on my soapbox. So I did. And one of my friends, this woman next to me was kind of like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why am I angry that my husband leaves his socks all over the floor? Like, I'm not scared. I'm not scared that his socks are on the floor. And I kind of looked at her and I was like, Right. But you might be scared that you are going to constantly be picking up after people for the rest of your life and constantly cleaning up a mess that you did not make. And she just looked at me and every once in a while, I'll get a message and she'll be like, I'm still thinking about that sock thing because it's not fear as we see it in everyday life. Like fear doesn't mean I'm terrified. Fear means I'm overwhelmed. Fear means I feel like there's no end to something. So another kind of story, sidebar, I was working with an exec whose board brought me in because he had a bit of an anger management problem. And when I first brought this to his attention, he's like, I'm not afraid of anything. I promise you, I am not afraid of anything. And I was like, okay, so why are you screaming at all of your staff? Like, he's like, yeah, but I'm not afraid of them. I'm like, I think we need to shift the focus and not it's not being afraid of something or someone. Again, it's afraid that if it doesn't go the way that you want it, you're going to look bad or your job will be on the line or the product will be called into question and you want things to be above reproach because he was just that kind of guy. And I was like, this is a control factor. You are fearing that when people don't do their jobs, you are losing control. And we started, he was like, that makes sense. So we started working on issues around control. So once again, highlighting that the anger was pointing us to a fear that was a pain point and that we needed to work on in order to work smarter and not harder. Let's take all that energy that's going into being angry and let's harness it, clean energy, right? And put it toward something else or somewhere else. Now, I love me some simplicity and people will ignore this and I'll say this more than once, I'm sure during this podcast, people will ignore simple advice because they think simple is easy. They really do. Simple is not easy. Simple is just simple. And I think it was Albert Einstein that said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. So I want everybody out there to understand what it is that is happening in their body when they get a feeling so that they can then name, normalize and navigate through it. Like if you saw your ex walking down the road, holding hands with somebody new and you broke up four days ago, the goal is not to not have a reaction. Double negative. I know. But the goal isn't to not feel anything. And I think people do self-help and come to therapy and get coaches to not feel the thing. That's pointless. It's ridiculous. And anybody that's telling you that they can do that for you is a charlatan and you need to run. Keep your money close. Because that's not the goal. The goal, my friends, is once the feeling arises, you know how to mitigate it. That is the most important thing. And I think that in this realm of functional frustration, our feelings can actually not only teach us what we need to do, but how to avoid feeling strongly as we did the first time around. So it can be totally a lesson for us. And yes, there's work involved with it. 
Now, after the break, I'm going to talk about how we know it's gone too far. I'll give you guys like kind of like a mini checklist, like a really quick like, hmm, is this functional frustration? Is this functional anger? Or is this dysfunctional anger and frustration? Is this consuming me? Or does this actually, you know, is this something that I want to explore a bit more and it could teach me about myself? Because I do not want to disillusion anybody. Anything that is out of the scope, anything that's an outlier is not a good thing when it comes to feelings. Aristotle said this. It's the golden rule. Too much water, not a good thing. Not enough water, not a good thing. We need to have feelings because if we have none, that's a problem. But we can't have all the feelings. It can't consume us. We can't turn into this infuego rage monster just walking around feeling all the things and being angry at everything and everyone and thus projecting our anger onto other people. But after the break, we are going to talk about the story that was sent to my inbox by a friend. And it was sent in jest. Not even jest. That's the wrong way to say it. It was sent out of Polish. What did I just read? Um, wasn't necessarily concern. It was just kind of awe, shock and awe. And I was like, wow, this is a really interesting story. And she found it on a subreddit called I'm the Am I the Asshole, which is a fantastic place to find yourself if you ever need um, an escape of sorts. But after the break, we are going to read through that story. I will give, I'm sure a lot of face, a lot of face will be happening there. So again, if you're watching the video, you're going to see um a lot of face a lot of face happening uh but we're going to kind of break that down and i think it's going to highlight a lot of points of functional versus dysfunctional and the flags to look for so stay tuned after the break and we are back welcome back to feelings and other f words we are about to dive into my dms with a story that was sent my way from the subreddit am i the asshole and when I first read this, my friends, I had I had to read it a few times to make sure that I understood it appropriately because I was feeling like I wasn't I was missing something. So here it goes. Hold on to your hard hats. Am I the asshole for sending an angry message to a 10 year old who ruined my Animal Crossing island? I feel like I could just stop there and we can have a full discussion about it, uh, but I will continue. I'm probably at least somewhat the asshole here. Somewhat. So I'm going to try to be as unbiased as possible, which sidebar, not possible. Anyway, I have a 10-year-old nephew named Aiden. He's my brother's son, and my brother and sister-in-law live right down the street from me and my wife, so we see them often. To cope with quarantine boredom, I ended up getting Animal Crossing. My nephew came over one day, played it, and loved it, so my brother got it for him too. He was excited to find that we could play together. To be honest, I wasn't that excited because I'm not great with kids, clearly, and I never connected that well with Aiden. I said sure and gave him my friend code. Well, this is where the madness began. Aiden started nagging me over text about why my island is never open. I told my brother to please let Aiden know it's okay to play by yourself, but he was insulted that I wasn't including his son. So I, all caps, reluctantly opened my island every night at 7.30 p.m. so Aiden could join after dinner, but ideally he would finish by nine to go to bed. Now, pause. I don't know anything about Animal Crossing. And nothing. Zero. I barely even know what it actually is, and I, to be honest, had to look it up. So what we're about to get into, I'm not really sure how big of an offense this is, so just keep that in mind. Unpause. What I didn't realize was that Aiden would completely pillage my island. 
I didn't notice it at first, but after a while, I realized he had broken all my island rocks to get clay, which is pretty hard to come by. He didn't actively destroy anything to be mean. He just bogarted all my natural resources, which I mean, feels like theft, right? Yes. I texted him and asked him to please stop stealing my stuff. His response, okay, boomer. <laughs> so now you know this guy is about to go into orbit. Like you you totally, you already know it. He said, I also forgot to mention that I'm 37 and my brother's 40. So you clearly know he's in orbit because he's not even actually a boomer. I told my brother, if Aiden doesn't stop, I'll have to close my island. My, bro- my brother basically told me to grow up and get over it because it's a kid's game. In quotes, it's definitely not. I finally snapped when Aiden not only pillaged my island's cherries and pretty much all the wood one day, which I needed to make furniture, but then sent me a TikTok message. His dad, this is in parentheses, his dad checks his text, but not TikTok, gloating that his island had three stars and I only have two. <laughs> which he's 10, right? And this, I think, is where where we're going to start to potentially see, you tell me what you think, dysfunctional anger. I wrote back, yeah, asshole, because you stole all my wood and clay. Aiden responded, okay, loser, and I lost my shit. Being totally transparent, I said, and this is copy and pasted from TikTok, quote, I'm glad you're pawning me. Pawning me? P-W-N-I-N-G. I don't know what that means. I'll look it up. But while you're being a smug brat for having everything in the museum and finishing the fucking bunny day challenges, I'm making 90K a year. I have a beautiful wife and you're not going to get to my place in life by being a fucking snake. He's 10. I admit that went too far. Good insight. But I tried so many times to get him to behave. Let's put a a flag on that play of control. He and my brother did not listen. My brother is furious, maybe rightfully so. And Aiden reported me successfully to TikTok and got me banned. Even my wife is angry. I feel like nobody is seeing my side of this. I really did try to be civil. Am I being crazy? Crazy or not, that is not for me to judge. The good people of the internet can do that for us or for me. You can judge if you want. But I think this highlights when anger goes too far. Clearly, some buttons were pushed. If we are looking at this in the context of um, emotions are telling us something, something that is scaring us, I have to imagine somewhere in this guy's life, don't know him, have no idea who he is, never met him. This is a random post from Reddit. But I have to imagine, and I bet I'm right, somewhere in his life, he felt like people took advantage of him. And it's manifesting and it's being projected on this 10-year-old. Now, again, I don't know if this 10-year-old is being an asshole or not or whatever. Like, I think all kids are assholes on some level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can come fight me, Karen. Like, all kids are jerks because they're supposed to be. Their frontal lobes aren't fully developed. Should you be talking to your uncle that way? Probably not. He might be trying, you know, things get lost over text. Maybe he's trying to play with him and tease him a bit. But as an adult, it's our job to act like adults. And there was a million different ways this person could have handled it. But it's interesting to me that at the end of all of this, he's still looking for validation in how he felt. And I think that is the most human thing that we all do. 
it's why we call our friends to vent about the dumb shit that happened at work. Just so your friend can be like, oh, my God, what a jerk. Or, you know, dump him immediately. Like, I'm not going to call my mom to be on my side with certain things, especially when it comes to my husband, Jimmy, because she's like always on his side. So I know intentionally, like, I'll go to somebody else that's going to be like, yep, Jimmy's being a jerk, even though he might not be, even though it's probably me. So we we seek out confirmation bias. That's something that we absolutely do to validate why we feel the way we do. Now, it's wildly important for me to highlight, I think I said it before in this episode, of the goal here is to name, normalize, and navigate. And again, if you were paying lots of money to sit in front of me, I'd tell you the same thing. So welcome to some free advice. The goal is to name what it is you are feeling. If you cannot name the feeling you are having, we cannot fix it. So if you're like, I'm pissed, like I'm angry, that's not exactly what's happening here. Like maybe you feel embarrassed. Maybe you feel a lack of control. Like it needs to go a level or two deeper for us to actually fix what the problem is. I was working with an exec in the finance world, as I do. um, And I was having this conversation with him because he was so angry. Somebody did something, one of his... uh, co-workers uh, you know on his level in the c-suite and he was just so angry about it and he was talking about it and talking about it, talking about it and finally i was like what are you feeling right now he's like well obviously i'm angry i'm like right but why and he launched into the story of all the things that people did that wronged him and i was like okay so are you feeling like a victim like well, are you feeling slighted like what is the feeling that you're feeling right now and then he launched into another explanation of why he felt the way he does, which is, which is a way to justify why he felt what he did, what he felt, not a way to define what it is he's feeling. So I said to him, I was like, you keep telling me why you feel the way you feel. I need you to help me understand what it is you are actually feeling. What are you afraid of? And men love when I ask them this question. And when I mean love, I mean, they hate it and they will avoid it whatsoever. They feel insulted. I'm not afraid of anything. But again, we kind of dug into what about the situation was making him feel angry and thus felt attacked, thus that he needed to defend himself, thus his, you know, why his fight or flight was kicking in. And we finally got somewhere with that. But there was something to be said about we need to name what it is that we're feeling. The normalization piece is, is it normal to the situation? And there's no such thing as normal. But can we justify why we feel the way we do, or maybe were we a little out of pocket? Aiden's uncle, dear, dear Aiden's uncle, this might not be the appropriate place for this anger to manifest. This feels like you got some other things happening in your world, potentially. And this is why, you know, I use this story specifically because lots of you wrote in about anger and how to mitigate anger and am I too angry or all these stories about other people that have done things to you that have made you angry. Lots of stories and comments about spouses who are angry or dealing with an angry person in the house. Lots of things. And I didn't want to go in that direction. I wanted to highlight something because I think nine times out of 10, we don't always know how it like how to judge it with the situation. And that takes a level of insight that's really hard. Uh, If you have to ask strangers on the internet if what you did was right or wrong um you you might want to just continue to work work on your insight and ask yourself why you need that validation and then the third step is navigate 
And the navigate piece is what we all are trying to get to the action step, the planning, the process. But I got to be honest. And again, I say this to many people that I work with. If you can't tell me what it is you feel and where it is on the level of the situation and the insight that you have into the situation, we're not going to get anywhere with action steps because we're either talking about the wrong thing because we've mislabeled it or we haven't actually assessed the insight of how it has a place or where its places in the, the situation that it arose in. So name, normalize and navigate is going to be your best friend in this. I promise you guys flags and we're going to end on this. I want you to understand the red and orange and yellow flags of this is creeping into a weird place. And maybe it's with yourself. Maybe it's with your significant other or your family or whatever. But these are the red flags that anger is not functional. It is not functional frustration. It is out of control. And it looks like a few things. Uh, and all of these things, you're going to be like, oh, duh. But I want them all here on, in one place so you can you can access them at any point in time. And this is what researchers call anger of anguish. It is not constructive. There are no constructive goals. You can't tell me how you want to fix it or what the outcome is or what the next steps are. There is an increase in hostility, meaning I'm not venting. I am actively spewing hate towards this person or the situation. Like it's gone above and beyond that that 15 minutes of venting. And my rule of thumb with venting is you can vent for 15 minutes, but after 15 minutes, you're complaining. And I tell this to clients all the time. You got 15 minutes. Tell me everything. Vent. Say whatever you want. But then I'm going to shut you off at 15 minutes. If we still talk about it, then we're not in a solution focused place and you're not ready to solve this problem, which is okay. But like, just know that you're complaining about it. So anger of anguish. Not constructive goals. The hostility goes up. Your awareness and your insight actually goes down because when we have an increase of stress and when we have an increase of, I'm going to use the word fear in the very scientific term, in that amygdala, that fear center, it actually shrinks our hippocampal volume. It actually does things to our temporal lobe and our prefrontal cortex where we can't function the way that we used to with too much of this stress happening. Um, so your awareness goes down. Your frustration goes up. And it does take a toll on your mental and physical health because of this conflict that you surround yourself with. And maybe you're fighting in, with people in line at the grocery store, or cutting people off in traffic or taking it out on your significant other and your kids. Um, and what comes with that is a loss of social respect and social rapport. So when we're finding that anger is impacting our life or even frustration, it doesn't need to be full blown anger. People can be angry and not say a word. Anger doesn't just, I should have clarified this sooner. Anger doesn't just look like I'm screaming and shouting at you and punching holes in the wall. Anger can also look like stonewalling where I'm not saying anything. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's not fine. Um, and I'm guilty of that, right? Jimmy will be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yep. Why wouldn't I be? And I have to like bring myself down from like, this is, that's not helping anybody. So yes, even people who do this for a living still don't have it all together. But that is where we start to see anger or frustration take a toll in our life because it just leaves us spinning. We're not actually feeling better. We're just waiting for it to run its course. I think that feelings, again, if we take it from the approach that it's trying to tell us something, it's a problem to figure out or it's a piece of the puzzle to make the puzzle whole so we can look at it differently. We start to see anger as being a channel to productivity. And 
truly, again, this is from the research, that anger without being overcome with negative emotions is the best way to channel that productivity. So some of the green flags look like I can be angry at something or someone. I can feel the feelings of that, but I know that there's a solution or I know I have control, at least in the things that I do and the way that I think about this thing. So again, to highlight the example of I saw my ex holding hands with the person four days after we broke up, I can be angry. I can go slash his tires, not productive anger, um, although some of you might want to disagree. But instead, what I can do is I can feel my feelings. I can mourn the ambiguous loss of the relationship, which is an ambiguous loss is something is not necessarily dead and buried in the traditional sense. I'm mourning something that is or someone that is actively alive, but the situation has changed. So I can go through my stages of grief. I can process how I feel about it with friends, family, therapists, coaches, whatever. Or I can lean into the side of like, you know what? This just validates that what I did was right in breaking up with this person. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel it. It just means you've put different safeguards in place to let the anger run over and for the color to spill into all areas of your life and taint it. It's it's very simple when we look at it, right? Sometimes we need people to say it simply to us. I love this F word. I do. I really love this F word. And I'm so happy that we are together talking about it because I think that when we start to look at functional frustration, when we start to look at anger, not as a bad thing, but when we understand our own safeguards around anger, when we start to understand our own processes and pitfalls, we all have them. You're not supposed to be perfect. We can start to live a better and happier life. And I say that and it sounds so fucking corny, but guess what? That's what we're searching for. All you people out there looking for success, looking for happiness, looking for work-life balance. There's no such thing. I will rant and rave about that at another time on another episode. This is the stuff. This is the foundational stuff. This is what we are talking about. Naming things, normalizing them, navigating through them, feeling your feelings, not shaming yourself for having those feelings, but also having an action plan in place, giving yourself a cutoff time and date and start to starting to do things to move past the anger. These are all ways that we get better. These are all ways that we conserve energy, put it towards something else and start living that life that we keep talking about wanting to have. Next week, we will talk about more great F words, but this was a big pile of them today, my friends. Thank you for sticking with me through it all. I will see you all next week. Don't forget to like, follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hosted on dimlywit.com.